Talk Radio 96.7. Yeah, we're ready to talk some sports in the Ozone tonight. The Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. And by Foshi Jewelers, your one-stop jewelry store. Ronnie O is out on assignment here for the next couple of weeks, but sitting in is Coach Joe. We wait all year for this. It seems like it seems like it takes forever to get here, and finally, finally, this day has arrived. And of course, all sports fans know what I'm talking about. That's right. Season three premiere of Ted Lasso on Apple TV. <laughs> Eric, did you did you catch that last night? Not yet. Not yet. I haven't it's seen. It. No brilliant. spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers at all. Brilliant is all I can say. That's not really a spoiler. Can't wait to see it. Oh yeah, it's it's terrific. It's uh, it's interesting. If you haven't seen Ted Lasso, I know Eric has because I wasn't planning on watching it when I first heard about it because I was aware of the, who the Ted Lasso character was. He, he was created as kind of a joke by NBC to hype uh, their new uh, package of Premier League soccer to make it look like an American who, you know, typical American Yahoo knew nothing about soccer or any of the traditions of the English Premier League. So he was kind of a joke, and I thought that's what the show would be and make him look like a clown. But it's the exact opposite of that. It's incredibly well done. It's very heartfelt. And there's so little, Eric, TV on these days, uh, TV shows, scripted shows that center around uh, sports. There's very few of them and very, very few, fewer even good ones. Uh, and that's what makes Ted Lasso so special. Uh, I, you know, I, I think of other TV scripted shows that centered around sports. Uh, there have been some good ones. Friday Night Lights comes to mind. That was really good. And uh, Coach, do you remember that show? Back with the uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but, uh, back then, that was like in the early '90s. But our, our, with Craig T. Nelson playing a football coach, in one of my all-time favorites. I grew up with this one. It was in the late 70s. It was The White Shadow with Ken Reeves playing. Uh, oh, yeah, I think I very vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah Ken Howard playing uh, a former basketball player in the NBA named Ken Reeves who uh, needed a job after he blew out his knee and couldn't play NBA anymore. And he ended up uh, at an inner city high school. So he was a, a white coach coaching uh, a group of inner city black kids. And uh, it was a, a drama mostly, but it was also very funny as well. And it, it was incredibly well done. Three really great seasons, one of the great sports TV shows ever. And that's one of the very few sports TV shows that centered around basketball. There, there's, it's, there's so much drama in basketball and, and, and so many stories that can be told. But very few TV shows about that. It's interesting. If you have any thoughts on that, you can always give us a call at 682-1430, 682-1430. And if you'd rather just email your, your thoughts about anything in the world of sports, ozone at hallradio.net, O-Z-O-N-E at hallradio.net. You know, I was kidding earlier about, uh, not that Ted Lasso is not a great show, it is, but I think the thing that's most exciting about today is it's the first official full day of March Madness, and Madness has already occurred. Spoiler alert, if you didn't catch any of the scores from earlier today, there have been two huge upsets in the NCAAs. Um, Furman, with a final second uh, shot, beating University of Virginia. And then Princeton. First, remember them in 1998, upsetting UCLA. Well, they did it again 25 years later. They uh, beat Arizona 
in a in a shocker, scored the last nine points of the game to win 59-55. This is a bigger Princeton team than that other one that relied on all those backdoor cuts. This Princeton team just played hard and and well, and they used their size to to uh, stay with Arizona, which is one of those you know giant Pac-12 teams, one of those big big conference teams. So already the upsets have started. Games are going on now. There won't be any exciting finishes during our show because of the timing of it. You'll be able to uh, see the ending of all the games that are going on now uh, after after the show. So stay with us tonight because we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, baseball tonight. We're gonna talk about baseball and specifically the Rays. We're gonna talk all about the Rays with one of their broadcasters, Enrique Oliu, is gonna join us, and he is a great story and a terrific broadcaster, and and uh, really somebody who loves baseball. And if you do love baseball and if you love the Rays, and you should because they're really one of the shining lights of this area, then you're going to want to hear our interview with him. And we'll be talking with him in just a few minutes. Uh, so, And we'll keep up with all the action that's going on today. They're playing at four sites, Des Moines, Sacramento, Orlando, and Birmingham. The Furman upset was in Orlando, by the way. And tomorrow they'll be playing games in Albany, Greensboro, Columbus, and Denver. And then your regional finals uh, next Thursday and Saturday, the East Regional will be, and Final will be at Madison Square Garden. In the South, they'll be at Louisville. In the Midwest, they'll be playing in Kansas City. And in the West, they'll be playing in Las Vegas. So a lot of great action. 67 total games in this tournament. We're just getting started. Uh, check it out. It, it's, it's a great time and some great games already and always very exciting. And keep an eye on our Miami Hurricanes who are a fifth seed. They play tomorrow around 7 o'clock against Drake. Uh, they were an Elite Eight team last year. They have a very good chance of getting back there. So keep an eye on that. And we might have a sports quiz question about the NCAA tournament later in the show. But for now, we're going to talk about baseball with Enrique Oliu of the Tampa Bay Rays Radio Network after the break here in the Ozone. you got Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Teddy Dupay, former Fort Florida Gator basketball player, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone tonight. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. And by Foshi Jewelers, your one-stop jewelry store. Ronnie O on assignment. Coach Joe in the house. It's no secret this is always one of my favorite times of year for a number of reasons, March Madness being one of them. We talked about that a little bit in the last segment, but also spring training and the start of the baseball season. Uh, who, who doesn't love this time of year? It's something that we should treasure, especially here in Central Florida, where we have the great spring training sites, so many of them, such a great time to go out on beautiful weather like this and see games. And we also have a outstanding Major League Baseball team in the Tampa Bay area, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays. And somebody who knows all about them is joining us tonight because he's one of the broadcasters on the Rays radio network, the Spanish radio network, Enrique Oliu. Joining us here in the Ozone, we are so glad you could join us tonight, Enrique. How you doing, man? Very good, Joe. Nice to be on with you. It's a wonderful thing. I, you know, it's always a pleasure to share, you know, baseball or share any kind of sporting event with you guys, with anyone, really. But thanks for having me on. 
Well, you, you know, baseball is is wonderful, uh, and it's fun to watch it on TV, but listening to a baseball game on the radio is one of life's great pleasures. It always has been to me, and I suspect to you as well, right? Are you kidding me? That's what I grew up with, <laughs> baseball on the radio, and the stories that you can tell. I mean, I've done football, I've done basketball, I've covered a lot of other stuff, but the stories that you can tell and the pace of baseball and the association that people have with the radio and baseball because of the fact that it's on there every night. Think about this. 162 out of 180 nights, baseball is on. Yeah, I know. And, and you know, even and that's for your favorite team. You know, probably on some of those other off nights you can get a different game, especially these days. Uh, but uh, nothing nothing beats catching the Rays games. They've been a, a great franchise over the last few years, and you've been with them since the beginning, haven't you? Yes, I have. Since 1998, since Wilson Alvarez threw the pitch to uh, Ryan Harper for a strike. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I was at that game. It was uh, that that game. Uh, you know, didn't didn't turn out super great, but it, it was the start of something great. And uh, uh, 25 years now as a Rays broadcaster, right? Correct. So it's uh, been a wonderful thing. You know, the two World Series appearance. I mean, two championship rings. Uh, many playoff appearances, but the big thing, it's uh, it's been a wonderful thing to see this thing grow up from a team that could only win 70 games one time to be a perennial playoff team. I mean, who, can, who could have thought way back when that they made the playoffs for the fourth year in a row last year, even with all the injuries and so forth? Yeah, you know, it's, it's true. And I expect them to look, they're going to be pretty good again this year, and I want to definitely talk about him. I want to talk about you a little bit first, though, Enrique. Uh, you know, broadcasting is not easy. Uh, I only have to do it one hour a week, and I, I know that. Well, I would, I, would love, I would love to be in the booth. Uh, how did, you, you know, besides being difficult on its own, uh, you have uh, a sort of a, a unique perspective to um, how difficult it is uh, because, uh, you know, I, uh, how, I guess best to put it is you were born without sight. Is that correct? Correct. I, well, it's, uh, we would say, yes, I was. But the big thing is that it's very difficult. It's very difficult to get into the booth to begin with. And when you have another thing going against you, it's uh, something else. Fortunately for me, it's been a wonderful trip where I've met people that have been in spots where they could open the door for me. And all I needed was the door to be open, and after that, well, I was able to go through there and uh, begin my long journey with the Rays. Twenty-five years. Yeah, I believe you were actually you were born in Nicaragua, and and you had retinopathy, retinopathy or prematurity. Is that uh, the right term? Correct. Yeah, and that, that's correct. And that makes it so that light couldn't get through, so you couldn't see. Is that uh, right? Uh, correct. And then you moved Too to. Much. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sir. And then to Costa Rica, I think. But go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm on your show, so go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm just, just tracing your journey, yeah. Enrique. Uh, yeah. you, you came to the United States to attend the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind. And yes, I did at the age of 10 years old. That was an experience within itself. <laughs> not knowing much English, not knowing the culture. You hear all the time about athletes having culture shock. Uh, and it is true. Somebody that's gone through this can really feel it for those guys. They come from towns. Most of them haven't uh, had the schooling, you know, otherwise that we might have had and that I might have had or someone else. But 
here I came as a 10-year-old kid to the United States, to the Florida School for Deaf and Blind, and not knowing any English or very much at all. And uh, the culture was totally foreign to me. It was uh, difficult because I remember those early years at the school, the first year, where you had to just find a way to communicate. Unfortunately, there were a few folks that were really patient with me that let me say all the silly things, mispronunciation and other, and other things that I did along the way. Well, it did, they introduced you to sports there as well, didn't they? Well, I already had the sports. That's one of the things that Dad and I could do is listen to the game was on the radio in Nicaragua because television was only two channels and stuff. But the fact that we played them, yes, they did introduce me to play in the sports because we had a wrestling team, we had a basketball team. But the big thing is our gym, uh, our PE class, was an interesting type of class. We would do a certain activity for a month. We would start with physical fitness, do the 50-yard dash, do the pull-ups, do the push-ups, do the whatever else. And then they would do the you know physical fitness test, and then we'd go on to do something every month different. We would do softball. We would do football, adapted for sure, of gymnastics in the winter. Uh, you know, we would get on the trampoline or the parallel bars or what have you. Uh, during the spring, when the track season would go on, they would take us down to the track, and they would have us, you know, do the high jump, do the, uh, the long jump and other stuff. And they, But before we even did those things, they would show us film. Like in football, they would show us the Lombardi film that he had done way back when. Back in the 60s, where he did a short film, about 20, 30 minutes, of what football was. I think that's what it was called, actually, what football was, or something like that. But And you would learn about the sport, the theory of the sport, before you even played. And so we had all these things. And fortunately, I had some uh, interesting coaches who were very competitive, and uh, they taught me how to compete because they didn't want to lose. I remember that uh, the first time I ever played shuffleboard, I didn't know what that game was. We didn't play shuffleboard in Nicaragua. What's that? Just push the pucks as hard as you can in certain squares. Well, I thought you just pushed them as hard as you could, and I knocked <laughs> my partner's pucks off, and my, it was my gym team, it was my PE coach. I can't believe it. You knocked our pucks off the shuffleboard square. So so they did introduce me to sports. And then I had another guy, Tuck Tensley, who would take me on the road trips with the football team. He was an assistant football coach. The blind kids didn't play. A couple of partially sighted kids, uh, legally blind kids, but they could see they would play on the team. But the totally blind kids couldn't play. But he was nice enough to take me on the road a couple of times. And I would talk to him, and he would draw plays for me in my hand. And he would show me an eye formation or he would, you know, let's say I, I asked him, uh, I don't know if Mel Proctor or with the bullets and he was a big Kentucky fan. So anytime Kevin Greavy did anything, I would say, what the announcer said when Kevin Greavy did this. And he would walk me through what Kevin Greavy did or Alvin Ace or whomever, or maybe Dr. J on the other side. But so I was very fortunate, not just being introduced to sports, whether it was swimming or otherwise but to really be taught the theory and the basics of what the sport and what, you, what you're trying to do with it. Yeah, those Washington teams of the late 70s were, were outstanding, and, of course, uh, the, Dr. J and the Sixers. Uh, you know, when I was growing up around that same time in South Florida, uh, you know, there was no uh, Marlins back then, and you just sort of adopted a team. But the, in the days long before satellite radio, the you know, uh, only broadcasts we could pick up down there would usually either be Atlanta Braves or New York Mets. I remember, especially in the early 80s, listening to Bob Murphy. In Nicaragua, when we were listening on the radio, what teams did you get down there? 
uh, shortwave. Oh, you would get okay. the local radio, but if you wanted to hear uh, the, 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 the U.S., the major leagues, you would hear the shortwave. And fortunately, at that time, the AFRTS, you know, American Radio, American Armed Forces Radio and Television Service, had the game of the night. So you would have different games on every night. I mean, every, you know, a different game each night. And during the commercial break, they didn't have any commercials, of course, so they would have the scoreboard. They would run the scoreboard inning by inning, and you would get an update on the game. So, but really, my love for, and you would hear the different radios around Central America, but mostly it was soccer at that point, you know, or as I call it, British football, yeah. uh, without the Central American teams. But when I got here, I went to St. Augustine, and they only had two or three radio stations, and most of them were daytime. You know, they had to power down or they weren't on at night. So I could have my own uh, radio delight where I could listen to anywhere on the dial from Detroit all the way up to the Orioles on WTOP. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, how did you get into broadcasting? Well, I thought I couldn't go further playing sports. <laughs> and I'm such a sportsman. I'm so competitive. I always say that if two roaches are running, I'll watch them. <laughs> you know, because I love just the fact that there's competition there and I and my dad was very competitive and he didn't care about whether I was visually impaired or not. He said, "You better resolve. Better for me, yes, but better for you at the end of the day." And he wasn't going to allow you to just sit there. He wanted you to uh, compete. And so I'm very competitive, and I knew I couldn't compete. And I guess probably my love affair with the radio and the sports, and I thought that was the perfect combination. And for we do the sports and the radio, which I love the radio. You know, with the at that time in Nicaragua, we still had the, you know, the like the Johnny Dollar Spanish, you know, stuff like that. Even in the 70s, you still had the uh, radio dramas and stuff. So all my, kind of, I guess kind of like what Vince Scully said, when he heard the noise coming out of the radio, I loved that. And then I, I began to get introduced to the sports at the school. And I thought, well, I couldn't go any further. And I said, well, maybe that's a way for me to do something. And I love that. And I push forward. Well, how do you broadcast a game that you can't see? Well, fortunately, I have a play-by-play, a guy, Ricky Tavares, and you know a lot about what the sport is. You know, baseball's percentages, you know the left hand, especially with all the shifts, so they're going away. That you know, Joy Gallo's hitting, and you're going to have everybody bunched up on the, on the left side of the infield, on the right side of the infield, you know, between second and first. And you're not going to have anybody at third base. You know, and you, and you look your res- and you do your research. You talk to coaches, and the rest of it, it just takes care of yourself. It's I always say it like this: Sometimes Brady throws the ball. He doesn't look at the guy. He just knows where he's going to be. So, so you know the the game well enough. And then Ricky does the play by play, and my wife spots and does some things. Uh, you know, read stats and stuff, and uh, and that's how we do it. And. Uh, is that, coming in and different things. Is that your wife, Debbie? She helps you with the preparation for every for your broadcast. Yes, she does. Uh, yes, she does. That's great. Well, I, my understanding was that uh, you use your hearing the crowd noise and the crack of the bat to help you follow the game as well. Is that right? Well, you use all that. You use the you know the crack of the bat. You use the the sounds of the fans, the sounds of the stadium. Everything you use to get into the game and that's why it's so hard sometimes you know especially with the pandemic because it's continuous pull for the fans and there wasn't any differentiation you know 
any difference between a home run or anything else because it was a continuous pull for the fan. Yeah, that had to be odd, you know, especially, you know, it was odd to see, but it must have been especially odd because the sound of the game is so, so different uh, during during that time when the crowds were kept at a minimum. Well, it wasn't any. Uh, the crowd wasn't any except us and the, and the players at, at one point, you know, for the whole 2020 yeah. until the playoffs. Uh, for the regular season, the 60 games, there weren't any fans except for the players sitting out in the stands or in suites or wherever they were. <laughs> the rest of it was just us. Yeah, and they did win the pennant that year. And we'll talk, uh, we got a great season coming up for the Rays, and we'll talk about them in just a minute. Of course, uh, we're talking to Enrique Oliu, who's uh, part of the Spanish uh, Rays radio network, uh, along with uh, broadcaster Ricardo Tavares and the engineer Mark Miller. And uh, we're going to bet to take a break, Enrique, uh, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say that we're all over here very sorry about Dave Wills and, and his untimely death, and uh, uh, he certainly was a, a broadcast icon as well. I certainly miss him. We weren't just co-workers. We were really good friends with him and his wife. Uh, we would do things off the field, on the field, and I'll certainly miss him. It's one of those guys that you work with and and. and you remember when you went to school and you would start the school year at September and the end of June or what have you, and you would spend six, eight, eight months with someone. And that's what it was, that you would have the first day of school, the last day of school, and then on the on the vacation time, you still went over to his house to see him, you know, whatever. So I certainly will miss So He will be missed around the press box uh, terribly. And I think that's uh, when something like that happens, you think about all the people and all the blessings that you have, but yet you think about, and it makes you kind of reflect on, have you called this guy? Have you called that other person? And you want to make sure that you stay in touch with them because you just never know and try to be as good as you can. As John Wooden would say, make this the best day of your life because you never know if you have another one. Well, we're having a great night here with Enrique Oliu. You're going to stay with us because we're going to take a, a break, Enrique, and then we're going to talk some more baseball with you. We're really enjoying our conversation. Uh, but first, a break for the Fox Business Brief and Kim Commando here in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Talking sports in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie Owen, Coach Joe presenting... It's brought to you by Foshi Jewelers, your one-stop jewelry store, and by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. Coach Joe here in the Ozone. We're talking baseball, specifically the Rays, with Rays broadcaster Enrique Oliu uh, joining us here in the Ozone. Having a great time talking about the Rays. If you want to join us, 682-1430. 682-1430 is the number. So, Enrique, uh, th- this is one of those springs where the World Baseball Classic is being played. Uh, I haven't had a chance to see too many of the games, but the ones I've seen have been spectacular. I've loved it. It's been the event for baseball. I think the guys who were doing the game last night said it best. Unfortunately, Edwin Diaz uh, injured, got injured but or was injured because of uh, you know the celebration after the game. But the energy in the Marlins Stadium, I've never seen it like that. And the whole thing that the people were really playing for something. I thought that it made baseball exciting. It made baseball to me a wonderful thing with the horns and the trumpets. It just made baseball what it was. And I thought that there's an event that baseball could use to uh, hopefully springboard into something else. But that to me, it's been a great 
not just the, the games have been great, but the spectacle's been great, exciting. It's uh, really the, the cultures of other countries and whatever. Who would have thought that Britain would have had a quali- would have qualified for? Her? They know about football. Baseball is very foreign to them. And, you know, you, you think about, sure, the Dominicans and Venezuelans and Dominicans from Puerto Rico last night. That was just uh, great, like two titans going at it. Unfortunately, Rodriguez makes the big boo-boo where the inside the park home run for Puerto Rico. And then, you know, you had other things, but I thought it was a great tournament. It's been a great tournament. It's not over yet, but I thought that it was great for baseball, that it's seen worldwide. Yeah, just concluding group play. And you mentioned the atmosphere at Marlins Stadium. You know, it's a 10-year-old stadium, and they've never really had that kind of atmosphere except briefly when Jose Fernandez was still around and and pitching uh, before his untimely accident. And, uh, you know, the Rays... They've been around 25 years, and we've, we've seen situations where the, the place has been rocking. Uh, too often, though, it's not. And there's been talk now, as the Rays near the end of their 30-year lease, about where they're going and what's going to happen next ballpark-wise. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think that that's been, uh, they, they've been trying to get a new stadium and what have you. And I, I think, obviously, there's no secret that we have been trouble drawing. And as you know, stadiums are outdated now. Uh, 20 years, you want a new one. I mean, whether it's baseball or football or otherwise, uh, or even basketball. But uh, the fact is that, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, we're the, at least the St. Pete uh, picked the uh, development, uh, you know, the, the, the organizations or the, the combination, the project for the development of Stadium Plus, other things around St. Pete, downtown St. Pete, where the Dome is. And I guess Tampa still somewhat in play. So, I mean, I'm just saying that, yes, I think the race, as they said, we don't have a place in 2028. And so I'm sure that they'll, you know, hopefully they'll get a new stadium and uh, we'll be in uh, in there in 2028, the new digs, and uh, it'll be state-of-the-art. Yeah, I mean, we're over here in Polk, so Hillsboro would be a little bit more convenient to get to maybe get to I'm some sure. more games, for sure. You know, one of the things is the games tend to go late into the night, but they've got a new experiment that seems to be working to speed the games up and maybe get them uh, done a little bit quicker, and that's the pitch clock. Uh, I have I, been to a couple of spring games, and it definitely seems to make a difference. Uh, the uh, uh, What do you think? Is this a, a good change in the game or is it something that's going to level out or do you think it'll really help i think it will help because you have people jumping out of the box and taking their time back and forth i think it certainly will help the big thing that will help and we'll see if people make more contact if there are more hits i think the bigger thing is to have moving action to have first and third to running around i mean to me the most exciting era to me of baseball was in the 80s when Whitey Herzog was the coach of the St. Louis Cardinals. Not a lot of power, but they ran, away, they ran around and scored a bunch of runs. And uh, to me, if they can bring that excitement to the game where people are moving all over the place and not just going back to the dugout, I think that'll be a great thing. But yeah, the pitch clock from the standpoint that it moves and you have to be ready to hit or ready to do something uh, would be very good. I think that no one wants to see somebody walk around the box and so forth. Yeah, we definitely definitely like it when things pick up the pace. And the, the Rays have some uh, another good team. They've been good now for several years in a row. They made the playoffs last year 
after winning the pennant two years ago. Of course, they ended up getting swept out by Cleveland in the playoffs last year. Uh, Shane McClanahan had an all-star season as a pitcher. Tyler Glass now, uh, injury worries with him. Uh, Brandon Lowe, some injury worries there. Uh, but they've got a, n- a n- new pitcher to replace Corey Kluber, Zach Eflin uh, from the Phillies. Uh, so are they going to rely a little bit more on starting pitching instead of this uh, opener, closer, sort of com- committee pitching staff that they've done in recent years? I would say so. And not just that. Johnny Torinos is on his way back. You have also Luis Patino, who's a little more mature. And then you have Josh Fleming, who could be the wild card and a swing guy out of the bullpen or even starting. But yeah, just the fact that you really have a starting rotation and Glass will be back. But, you know, two weeks into the season, maybe three weeks, but think about this. The rotation, as they said yesterday, a couple of days ago, a few days ago, they said, well, we have five starters now. They won't match up with anybody. So we're ready to go. I mean, uh, think about it. You got Glassman, McClanahan, Rasmussen, Spring, and Eplin. That's, uh, I'll put them up against anyone. So I think that, uh, as they said, they did it not because they wanted to set trends or anything. They did that because they had, as they thought, three starters. So now they got five and very good ones, and then some depth behind them as well. So let's say they're managing their innings, so they'll be okay. And I think that's, that's why they're going back to the five starters. As I said, we'll try to pitch them as long as they can. And I think Glasnow will be wonderful. It gives them some leadership. And Applin, you know, being in the World Series uh, team, not a winner, but a World Series team last year, that'll give them some leadership and so forth. So I think that the, the race with the five starters will be great. And I think that's I think that's what everybody strives for. Yeah, definitely pitching. And the Rays also have always uh, had pretty good defense. And I mentioned Brandon Lowe, who's their second baseman, having injury issues. And Wander Franco, the brilliant shortstop. Yeah, only 83 games last year. Uh, but he still scored 46 runs. But great def- defensive work up the middle if they can stay healthy. I would agree. That's the biggest thing. But I think the biggest thing we're going to get from them because Taylor Walls did a very good job at shortstop. Uh, the different combination of second was pretty good. I think the thing that they're going to give us, and I think if Franco can give us 20, 25 home runs, and Lau can go back to the 39, 40 home runs of 2021, think about this. There'll be 60, 65 home runs that were missed last year. And I thought nobody talked about also Sunino. There was 30 home runs that went away from the year before. So you're talking about, maybe 50, 80 home runs that went, you know, 70, 80 home runs that went away. That's tough to, uh, to replace. You, you know, I'm a huge fan of Randy Rosarena. I, I think he's awesome, but maybe uh, Margot might be the more important uh, hitter in the lineup. Margot is very important from the standpoint that he does the little things. He slaps the ball around the fence, and he's a person that people look up to. But Randy's probably the most exciting player I think we have. He can run. He can hit with power, throw. He's exciting. I mean, he is probably the – he reminds me a lot of – and I don't think I'm hyperbole saying this. He reminds me of a young outfielder that played for the Reds back in the late 80s, early 90s, Eric Davis, to a certain extent. They could hit with power, run, defend, and throw. Uh, going over a catcher, who's going to be the catcher this year, Enrique? Is it going to be Christian Betancourt or Francisco Mejia? I think it's going to be a combination of both. Betancourt did a lot, too. He caught a lot of the way at the end of the year. 
Yeah. And so I think yeah. it's going to backcourt is going to catch a share, and I think Mejia though they like him from the left side, and both of them really are very good catchers. So I think Betancourt probably will get a lot of games. So the Rays a playoff team? I think so. Two things. They catch the ball and they pitch the ball. And if those two guys, Franco and Lau, can hit, well, go back to the form of, you know, especially for Lau 2021, I think that they can be. And, uh, you know, you get uh, Curtis Need, who knows if they're going to call him up or Rosardo or whomever. But, uh, you know, you got Luke Rayleigh, who's looked very good in spring training. But I think if just Lau and Franco, and Bedencourt was a pretty good offensive player, some pop. Mejia can, you know, hit with their average. So I think that the two things, though, would catch, they catch the ball and they pitch the ball. And if you can do those two out of three things, you're going to have a chance to compete and go to the playoffs. Yeah, that's, it sounds exciting. Just, you know, just talking to you about baseball, Enrique, is getting me excited about the start of, of the season. And, and we really appreciate you staying with us for uh, a couple of segments here tonight on the Ozone, a chance to talk baseball, catch up with the Rays. Uh, now, you're part of the uh, Rays Radio Network, the Spanish-language version. What, what's, how do you get your, your broadcast as opposed to the uh, broadcast from Andy Freed and uh, now Neil Solons, who's replacing Dave Wills? Well, you can catch us on WQBN 1300 or 106.7. And when the team's home, you can catch it on the SAP, SAP. So let's say you're watching the race telecast. You can click the SAP, and there we are. So you can watch and actually listen to us on the home games. And you can also go to MLB.com, you know, where we always are. But locally, WQBN, 1300 AM, and 106.7. And uh, also for the home games, you can click the SAP, and we're there on the television. Well, that that sounds terrific, and we really, really appreciate you, Enrique, joining us. Uh, we hope as the season goes on, maybe you can join us again. You know, we we always uh, love to talk about the race here in the Ozone, and, and it's it's fun when we have somebody who's so close to the team and right there who can help guide us and let us know how, how things are going. As, as, we, as I agree with you, I think it's going to be a playoff season. We hope you can join us again during the season, and maybe we'll, 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 uh, we'll chronicle it a little bit. I'll be happy to. Anytime, my friends. I already made a couple of new friends. The, the Ozone, Joe McCarthy, and uh, <laughs> a couple of guys in Lakeland. I mean, uh, I used to go, uh, I'm not used to, my English teacher would kill me for this. I would, as a young kid, I went to Polk County. The Lions Club had a camp out in Tiger Lake. So we spent a few summers out there in uh, Tiger Lake at, uh, you know, at the Lions Camp. So, I, you know, I, I I would know the area very well in Lakeland. So, and Polk, you know, Polk County, Lakeland, Winter Haven, Lake Wells. So it's always a great time to be locally on and be on with you guys. So anytime, if uh, you guys want to have me on during the season, I'll be, uh, I'll be here. Oh, that'd be awesome, Enrique. Hey, and if you're in, in Lakeland, uh, we'll get you in the studio and we'll have a, we'll have a really good time then when Ronnie gets back from, from his trip. Oh, I, I look forward to that. It's a radio buff. I never, I've always loved the studio. I remember as a young kid that if I could get into any studio, I wanted to look. I wanted to feel what a microphone looked like. You know, as a young kid, or about production boards and stuff. Oh no, we'll if I'm ever over there, we'll have a good time in the studio. Believe me. Uh, you're welcome here anytime, Enrique. Thank you for joining us here in the Ozone tonight, Enrique Oliu, the uh, Rays broadcaster for 25 years now. Thank goodness, you. It's it's awesome. Thank you for so much for joining us, and we appreciate your time. 
Pod. And we appreciate your time, ladies and gentlemen, so much that we're going to give away $30 to the Lakeland Ale House coming up after the break here in the Ozone with Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7. WLKF. Hi, I'm Jason Odom, former Bartow Yellow Jacket, Florida Gator, and Buccaneer. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors and Foshi Jewelers. We're back in the Ozone with Coach Joe. We'll see Ronnie back in a couple of weeks. He's out and about. And uh, we want to thank Enrique Oliu, uh, the Rays broadcaster in the Spanish Rays Radio Network, uh, for joining us for the last half hour. Uh, What a great conversation about his life as a broadcaster, a blind broadcaster, I might add. He's able to draw pictures of the game to the audience on the radio even though he can't see it himself. It's an amazing man, and of course he knows so much about baseball. Been a broadcaster for the Rays their entire existence, all 25 years. Uh, special thanks also to Brian Carnish, who uh, who knew Enrique and reached out to him and uh, managed to connect him to us here at the Ozone. It's great to make a new friend like that, a great friend of the show now, and we look forward to talking baseball with Enrique again at a future date, and we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you uh, enjoy our show, and you can call us at 682-1430, 682-1430, because I'm going to ask a sports quiz question right now that will get you $30 to the Lakeland Ale House at 5650 South Florida Avenue here in Lakeland, where they have drink and meal specials every night and 40 strategically located TVs, and if you are familiar with March Madness, you know that uh, the way they televise these games in the first couple of rounds is uh, they're stagger the starting times, but uh, most of the time at any given moment on Thursday, today, or tomorrow, and even into Saturday, there'll be as many as four games on at the same time because they use four different networks. And at the Ale House, they have the TVs lined up so you have all four games in front of you. You know, I've been to other places where they don't pay attention to that, and they'll have just one game on, and you think, hey, where are these other games? Alehouse understands every. you want to see all the games, you want to have access to all the games. They have enormous TV screens and incredibly great service. They take such good care of you, and, and they check with you. Is this the game you want in front of you? About there, is that? Can you see the other game? And uh, needless to say, if you want to watch four games at a time in order to keep up with everything, then you want to go to the Ale House to watch March Madness. And you can get $30 to go there if you answer this simple sports quiz question reference March Madness. One of the top seeds in the NCAA tournament this year is Purdue out of the Big Ten. Do you know that it's been a while since a Big Ten team has won the NCAA title in men's basketball? Well... Who was the last team from the Big Ten to win the NCAA title? Was it A, Ohio State, B, Michigan, C, Michigan State, or D, the other team from the Big Ten, Indiana? (laughs) Yeah, I I had it written down here in my notes, lost my place there for a second. Uh, Is it Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, or Indiana, the last team to win the NCAA title for men's basketball that was from the Big Ten? soon to expand, of course, but uh, we're not counting UCLA and USC at this time. So your choices are Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, or Indiana. 
uh, from the Big Ten, which was the last of those four teams to win an NCAA title. If you have not won recently in the last six months, come on, now we're relying on your honesty, but we're also starting to keep track of that. So no uh, fudging on that, but give us a call, 682-1430, 682-1430, win $30 to the Lakeland Ale House. Hey, you might not be sure of the answer, and there's not a whole lot of time to look it up, but it, you know, it's a choice of four. It's worth a guess, isn't it? You know, it's going to be either uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, or Indiana, the last Big Ten team to have won the tournament. I'll give you a hint. It was more than 20 years ago, okay, but less than 30. <laughs> so sometime between 1993 and 2003 was the last time a Big Ten team won the tournament. So uh, keep that in mind, 682-1430, if you want to take a guess. Again, we want to thank our guest Enrique Oliu from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays Spanish Radio Network for joining us here in the Ozone and giving us a great chat about baseball. I hope you're excited about baseball. It's it's starting the Tampa Bay Rays and then they have another playoff contending season. I know the Yankees are always good in that division, uh, but the, the Rays are right up there with anybody else. And, and I think if you get a chance, I know the TROP isn't the closest thing to Polk County, but it's worth the trip. Take your kids, introduce them to baseball. I know I used to take Alex to games and we always had a great time there. They do they do put on a good show, and uh, they have some terrific players uh, there. And uh, anyway, again, there's still time to win the quiz at 682-1430. If you can give us just a guess as to who the last Big Ten team to win the NCAA title, March Madness beginning today, it was either Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, or Indiana. And uh, I'll be available for a few minutes afterwards if you want to... Uh, call on the phone because we are wrapping things up here on another wonderful Thursday. Uh, more great NCAA basketball going on right now and some more games starting about 9.30 and into 10 o'clock. They're going on all night and again all day tomorrow. So it'll be a blast. And we always have a blast here at the Ozone. We appreciate your time and we appreciate you joining us. And thanks again to Enrique Oliu and uh, Ronnie, wherever you are, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> but Coach Joe, back in the Ozone next week. Here on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF.